Welcome to the Creator Coco podcast. I'm your host, Ian Mumbai. This podcast helps you become a better creator by helping you learn from what other creators have already figured out. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us a tweet at Creator Coco. That's Creator and then C O C O A. In this episode, we talk to Amy Chebet and Michelle Anyango about their processes for managing their social media accounts and some of the things you can do to improve your engagement. I hope you learn something that helps you become a better creator. So I do create content, but mine is more on behalf of my clients and the businesses that I support. Um, last year, I was uh, during the pandemic period. I was fortunate enough to um, kickstart my own um, agency, it's a digital marketing agency where we just focus on creating and maintaining um, online platforms on behalf of our clients, which are mostly startups and small businesses. Um, I've also been, from a creator perspective, I also work with Facebook and an organization called Hahaso, where we train women-led businesses on how to create, um, how they can create better content for their businesses on metaverse or on meta platforms like Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, and the likes. So my 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 core challenges are I I have a team, a small team that I usually work with. So the team consists of copywriters. We have a copy a dedicated copywriter. We have a community manager. We have um two two graphic designers, and um we have uh what's it called? We have web developers who support us. Um. Or when the time or when they need calls for it. My biggest challenge, especially when it comes to creating corporate content, is we tend to we tend to we we, we tend to lose our as say creative stride in terms of things tend to become so rigid and fixed and you know like social media or online platforms when it comes to creativity like doing things like reels or like making fun videos like there's so much you can do but i i feel like we 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 end up becoming so lost into like there's a business goal at the end there's um we have sales targets so we have certain targets that we and kpis that we have to hit so it really dampens the our creative um flow so that when it comes to let's say um, what I would do, let's say, on my own personal platforms versus what I'd do for my clients. There's such a huge divide. But also, personally, I've noticed over the years that the more I've, I've found myself in these corporate spaces, the more, um, like, social media has become a tunnel for me, like, using it personally, like, posting pictures, like, for instance, you know, like, how traditionally, if I'd go to a restaurant or I'd go to a cool location, like, the first thing I'd do is take a picture, take stories. This is, it's just not there. But then when it comes to, like, social media for me is more business than it is pleasure or fun. But other than that, it's um it's fun. I really enjoy teaching people. I really enjoy seeing the positive impact that digital platforms and good content help in the world 
and like i'm just um i'm just focused on refining my skills improving my skill set and helping my team grow at the same time some of us try to create content uh, we usually do it for ourselves but the thing that you're involved in is to create content for your customers at scale and so you probably have more experience or you are able to see how different accounts and different markets react to uh, the kind of content that you publish and also with the challenge of creativity and how do you balance your opinions and what you want to do versus what the clients want to do could you do you want to talk a bit more about that because it seems like something that you're passionate about and this it seems like there's ideas which you want to get out there i'd say that in the corporate digital space people tend to be more fearful um and they tend to not be as 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 adventurous when it comes to their creativity let's see what uh, a traditional regular creator who's not bound by so many things is uh, when it comes to my clients what i often try to do is just explain to them um the pros and cons in like a sort analysis type of way like if you're more if you're more like if you invest in video more or if you invest in like certain things more depending on the on the target audience and the demographics is they can get more rewards uh when it comes to content creation for me personally or how i approach all my all my content creation activities i always start from the audience's perspective uh, talking about the audience is the end consumer of this video this graphic or this nft this whatever that we'll have to create as a team like what does this person want to see and how can we create it and that's that's the approach i always try to take with most businesses i often see especially here in kenya that people create content from what the business wants or needs and that might not necessarily translate towards their customers or their end audience needs so right now it's like it's more of like a crusade at this point like i tell i i make sure i tell all my customers all the businesses that have trusted us with managing their online platforms for the ones who listen um well and good but for the ones who um prefer a more traditional rigid approach to their marketing um we make sure that they do know our position but at the end of the day uh, for us we have been paid to do a jo- job so we just execute as per their will okay yeah i completely understand sometimes it's a negotiation and you just have to find a balance between both and um you're also in the perfect position to talk about our next topic which is something i wanted to ask about today which is um how do you manage multiple social media accounts and are there any tips and tricks um that you can share with us because i know that michelle has several uh, social media accounts i have social uh, several social media accounts and uh, sometimes it can be challenging to figure out how you're going to create all this content so are there any things that you've learned or any systems you use that you think would be interesting for us to check out i think um actually I'd, it it's really interesting um and i'm happy that um, these challenges are across the board because we we also face them as an agency because we've only been in operation in one year and it's been a learning curve and at some point we 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 can have maybe between 7 up to 10 accounts most of our clients 
uh, okay, maybe between seven and ten clients. Most of our clients give us we manage um we manage let's say LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, sometimes YouTube and TikTok at the same time per client. And what we what we've done is we've devised a system because what we learned from the get go is every single digital platform has its own unique needs and a lot of companies and a lot of creators they do a one for all when it comes to content creation so you find the same content that's on instagram is being repurposed across the board which isn't bad it's not wrong but what we what we learned is that every platform has different audiences if you're going to twitter the audience is more um is better educated they're more focused on things like education news and politics they have higher expectations when it comes to um language and things like having meaningful and thoughtful conversations as compared to instagram where it's mostly a visual platform and the visuals play a key role and everything else comes second and when you go to facebook it's like a meeting of both worlds when it comes to instagram and <clears throat> twitter and tiktok is purely a video platform and it's more about engagement it's more about the younger generation so we have to be very strategic when it comes to our content creation like i mentioned previously we start by looking at the audiences what we need to communicate to these different audiences when we are creating our content plans and then of course we invest heavily on 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 what's called on bulk payment platforms on with things like hootsuite we prefer hootsuite than from any other uh, content management platform but we also work religiously with things like um meta business suite which is the where you can manage your facebook and instagram at the same time so we make use of all these tools that were that are free as well as paid like on twitter we have twit deck which is also free and what we do is we always create content in bulk and in advance like right now my entire team and myself are working on content for march we already have like at the 4th 5th of february we had all our content for february approved by our clients um scheduled arranged we knew if it's influencers we knew who we're going to talk to like the key thing that i've learned is give yourself a six week a four week or six week buffer for content so by the time you're creating you 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 you're really what's it called you're not pressured or you're not stressed for at the moment the other thing we do when it comes to um actual content creation activities which is photography and videography we also do that in bulk and we plan ahead like planning ahead as we see that in terms of even like we already know what to expect in terms of engagement money and and what what we want to achieve or how we want the audience to react so we create mood boards we create plans we find the people we do the shoots we usually shoot like at a single photo shoot we can have we can get up to 90 images we can get up to maybe 10 12 videos depending on how they flow or the day goes and we use that content very strategically um and and i think that's 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 the best thing that i can give anyone in terms of the more you know especially if you're working from a data perspective like 
you already have your insights, you've already read them, you've already understood this is how this is the type of content your audience expects. This is the type of engagement you can expect from this certain type of content. So it's just recreating our best performing posts and planning ahead. Um, all these tools, Putsuit, Meta Business, um, Twitch Deck, they really save so much time and they really make time easier. The other thing that we do once we have all our content planned and running, we take five minutes daily to check and reflect on insights on across all platforms and just just know, like just keeping an eye on things and making sure all this work that you've done has not gone in vain. Like making sure like stories are up, making sure that if somebody's commenting, there's a response. It's just being on top of things and being, it's like, I think it's more of project management when it comes to this in terms of the more efficient you are in your content creation, the easier it is to manage your content, the, the easier it is to manage your online community. Now I'll, I'll go back to uh, Michelle. So Chebet has said a lot of stuff and I'm wondering if any of that stuff has resonated with you because I know you also are kind of into this. Uh, you have multiple accounts and you manage them. Is there something that she said that you thought was interesting or that you want to comment on? The part where Chebet said, you see somebody, whatever they posted on Instagram, they go and post it on their other social media platforms. I am very, very guilty of that. I will post a reel and I will still, and that same reel is going to be on my TikTok. Like that's just something I'm always doing. But I usually make sure even if I'm reposting the same thing on different platforms, I follow the format of the platform. For instance, with my podcast last year, if I, I would post it on IGTV, I wouldn't post it on TikTok. I would post on IGTV. When I post it as a tweet, I make threads. Like the way she's saying tweet deck, but I don't know what I was using. I don't think it was tweet deck. It was like those tweet thread schedule things. Then I would also post it as a blog on WordPress. Like even if I was copy pasting the same content on different platforms, I would follow the, I would follow the, what's it called? However, that platform is how if it's video, it's video. If it's text, it's text. If it's just images, it's okay. I've never done just images for my podcast, but you get where I'm coming from. And I find everything she said to be really, really insightful, like giving yourself like a four week window. I think I'm not sure what she said, but four weeks something. In my head, I had window, but I don't think she said four week window where you plan your content, you do everything in advance. So by the time it's time to post what you want to post, you're not, you don't feel like I don't have content. I've lost this. I've lost that. You don't do things like last minute. And I find it, it's, I feel good. I'm not even sure what the word is. I haven't communicated with people in person for so long that my language is going downhill. But it feels nice to know that companies actually schedule their posts like a month in advance. You have all the content you want to post, the captions, the everything. And I find it admirable where you guys take like five minutes a day to go through analytics and everything content related. Michelle, oh my God, wow. You've, you've literally spoken my mind. I like what you've said is exactly what I wanted to communicate in terms of you can have that same video, but you're not, 
at just downloading it from TikTok and putting it on Instagram Reels. You, you're understanding that every platform has its own needs. And what you're doing is correct. What you're doing, like you're on the right path, you're on the right track. And I wish other people would be would be so woke in terms of their content creation and understanding that every platform is different that that makes me curious about um something else which is now the actual content creation itself so uh amy has mentioned this before where like you have ideas and you want to implement them so someone comes to you to ask you uh for example they need a campaign of some kind what's your process for creating content and how do you try to make sure that the the material that you make ends up resonating with the target audience do you use analytics is it uh I don't know, is it more artsy than that? So how's your process for creating content? I always like to work from a data point. And when planning campaigns, I don't like to plan campaigns in a rush. When it comes to social media, I always tell my clients, time, time, time is of the essence. And if you want meaningful, proper results, you have to allow us to, to uh, time to do A-B testing to collect actual proper data and work from a reference point. So the first thing that we do is market research. After doing market research, we, we look not just at, at local accounts who are doing the same thing or trying to achieve the same goals, but also uh, from an international or global perspective, the brands that have actually been able to achieve something similar to what the client wants in terms of content curation, and we study them. We take time, we take like two weeks of just researching and looking at all these accounts. We use we use um, different tools like not just analytics. We use different tools like, as I mentioned, I work closely with Facebook. I'm a certified trainer with them. I reach out to Facebook on regular occasions um, for, for data and for information um, that is accessible to to us and ask them like what like I work like basically Facebooks or Meta they have a lot of resources where as when you're coming uh, if you want to create content or you want to launch campaigns you can have a person or an account manager depending on the level of um, the level that you are as a content creator and they offer support and tips and advice as well or based on what you want to do so we also actively and very religiously use those resources after doing the research the next step is auditing we take audit our clients digit platforms what are the engagement like what is how who is their current audience what are their demographics how have they been performing the last six to twelve months online and what what we can expect in terms of engagement when we begin it's very important to have a very realistic outlook of how content will perform the other thing um so after we've done the research and the audit now we start creating the content we already know the themes we break it down very um very religiously we have an overall theme in this overall theme what are the key goals of every piece of content like is it sales is it leads is it etc so being able to answer that those questions help helps us mold the mold the or build a proper skeleton per se. So what we usually do is we have joint meetings or joint calls or meetups with the entire team and everybody 
will have the ideas. We give everybody time a few days to write down their different ideas, their different um, whatever. They go and do their own research. Then when we meet together, we go through all ideas together. And I find that two heads is better than one. My idea could be awesome, but when it's paired with suggestions from someone else, it becomes this whole amazing thing. After we are happy with all the ideas we have, we put everything in a shared document. We now start building the strategy. We start building mockups. So we'll build maybe three, three, four, five different mockups of let's say this is how we'd see the IG post. And then we we pick the two best versions. So this is very important because we usually run a B test for at least two, three weeks. So after we've created all this, we are happy with everything. Then we go and present to the client. We usually have these things we call discovery workshops. So we usually have maybe one or two discovery workshops per quarter. And then during these discovery workshops, when we are coming, we'll present these ideas in a deck to the client. And then, the, the, of course, client will also um, inject their own, their own outlook or their own ideas. As we said, two heads is better than one. When they're happy with everything, everything has been approved. Now we'll run the two AB versions of the different types of content. And we make sure when we're doing the AB versions, they're not exactly similar, they're different, but the goals and objectives are the same. So we monitor, we'll publish um, this content for a series of a week or two. We'll, we'll also have maybe a small budget where we, um, where we do paid advertising or paid media and we just monitor how everything is performing. The one that performs the best is the one that will go back to the drawing board and recreate and now do it in mass for our clients. So that's the approach we usually take because that allows us to collect data at every point. We know what is going to work, we know what's not going to work, and we can easily show with numbers and figures. And that's what we found is especially when you're dealing with corporates, a lot of them might not have a proper understanding of what is needed with content creation, what is needed for social media platforms, but what they do understand is numbers. So when we present to them the numbers and see, this got this many likes, this got this many likes, it's clear as day to see what's going to give them better results. And that's how we move. Based on the data that you have been analyzing and the different materials that you've been working with, would you say that there are things which you can do to reliably produce uh, engagement in your post? Are there some certain things you should do that always lead to engagement? Or yes. is it usually a trial and error? Yeah. No, 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 no. There's certain, like, this best practice. Like, I'm one of the key things that I tell guys, you know, when it comes to especially posting in Kenya, a lot of people will go online and they'll Google, what's the best time to post on Kenya? And then Google will, you know, the, the articles will come up or something and they'll say something like 10 a.m., 5 p.m., you see. But and the, all those, for me personally, are myths because when it comes to posting at the right time, and small, small things like posting at the right time for your brand, for your specific account is unique to you. Your audience is unique to you. So a lot of people will rely on these, what's the best type of things, ideas, versus just going and working from data. The best practice is uh, a small life hack that has saved a lot of my clients, a lot of my friends is going to insights, 
looking at your the actual times when the people who follow you are active and it's very easy because if you go to any different social media account and you go to your insights you'll see a graph of activity that shows a time of day and hours and you'll see like if it's for instance if you're going to do an example if you're if your followers are active at 12 p.m., you'll see that the curve, the graph rises at 12 p.m. And what us we do is we always post one hour minus the peak of the graph. One hour minus the peak of the graph. That ensures that when the majority of your followers are online and active, they will find your content on feed. Because people assume that the algorithms are like, um, like as long as you post, your followers will see your content, but that's not how it works. Um, there's too much content outside there. There's so much content being posted on a daily basis and only the best content gets, gets seen. So we have to we have to preempt and work smart. You have to post at the best time that's, that will work for you as a content creator. You also have to... Um, you, ha you also have to move move actively and be flexible. If you've been posting some, you've been posting things like for let's say a week or two, and engagement is low, that means you have to change. You just don't like the way Albert Einstein says, you can't repeat the same thing over and over again and expect different results. If your engagement is low and you're still repeating the same style of content, still same style of pictures, same style of videos, same style of captions, you cannot expect to to miraculously get more engagement. You have to go back to the dream ball, go back to the data, look at which are your best performing posts. Because all these platforms will tell you this is your best performing post. So look at what what worked in that post was it the picture was it image was it the type of caption and then now back to the dream board it's like removing the wheel just you don't have to you don't have to work from scratch you work from the data that you have in this post that performed well what are the key elements and now how to create i found that that way only brings better results yes like when chebet said what do you say? You say that if you realize your audience are active like at 12, it doesn't mean you post at 12. And I've been trying to push like that narrative for a long time and people don't believe me. For instance, Fridays, people would be like my podcast. I used to, I began posting my podcast, I think on a Tuesday or a Monday, one of the two, I can't remember. Then I moved to Sunday. And then guys were like, Michelle, and I would post at 1 a.m. or 3 a.m. And they'd be like, Mich one girl came to me and she's like, Michelle, Kwani, why are you posting your podcast at 3 a.m. Sunday? Or why are you posting your podcast like on Tuesday? Why don't you just post on Friday like every other podcaster? So I tried telling her, on Friday, that's like towards the weekend, everybody is like, they kind of have some free time or they're like, you know what? I can push everything to the following week. I'm going to relax now. So everyone is online and everyone being online means all creators are, are online. So every creator is posting. 
even if that's when your that's when your audience is active you will post and you will not get anything out of it because you're competing with every other person so personally i always hated fridays if i posted a video on friday it did bad if i posted anything on fridays it did very very bad i always hated fridays and i i just wanted to prove that my theory works and it worked even my podcast i found out that just posting on that sunday at 3 a.m or that early 3 a.m 1 a.m before i can even share my podcast people are already listening people are already commenting because i would post on twitter i would post at the same time on twitter on wordpress and uh, on uh, the audio only podcast platforms so i would see their listens on on what's this platform called on anchor i would see somebody has liked it on what's this post on wordpress and somebody has retweeted maybe something in the thread in the thread on twitter and i was like i knew it this thing of posting on fridays or on weekends because everyone is online it works against you you're not the only creator who is posting then for instance let's look at let's say yami mami you and yami mami decide to post something at the same time and your followers are also her followers it's her who is going to get the views and everything and not you because she already has an established audience and the algorithm already works in her favor that no matter what time she posts these posts of hers are going to be pushed to her followers so even you thinking friday guys are free or this is the peak this is when my audience are usually online or this is when university students let's say you're a university student this is when my classmates will be getting out of class so they'll pick their phones and go online it doesn't work like that so i like that you say that if your audience peak hour is like at 12 post an hour prior it makes so much sense because during that prior hour you won't even be seeing the engagement like you'd like to but the moment these guys come online you're going to be literally the first thing in their faces i'm just really happy with what um michelle said and i feel like she resonates in what i've been trying to like my struggle with so many clients and so many people even if you're a content creator and that what michelle is basically her ethos or how she's approaching this is basically she understands her audience she understands Kenyans she understands the time her audience is active and she's doing what is best for her platform sometimes you know the 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 sad part is because of kenya being a third world country despite us being very digitally advanced and the levels of internet penetration the numbers the data and some of the information out there is not always true so, so a lot of these stats you see online when it comes to social media and performance of digital platforms is based on eu market it's based on american markets understanding that kenyans on friday are in sherehe mode even like the simple fact that by the time people uh, people are leaving work on friday they linger ig tiktok for sherehe dances but maybe they're not looking for those serious serious things by the time it becomes sato people are recovering sunday is when like a lot of like what i've always seen for myself for kenyan social media is when people now start becoming active and have time for online when they're just chilling now and the fact that she understands that she understands her market she understands her audience and she's working for what is best for her is how every content creator should approach um 
approach content creation for their platform, should approach posting, and that they should always, always rely on the data that they get from their own platforms. And it will make a world of difference. Simple things, maximum results. A lot of us are YouTubers, and so we we try to make YouTube videos, and we're always trying to grow our channels. We're trying to figure out how can we uh, get more viewers, get more watch time. One thing we've we talked about during our last meetup was going through the YouTube channel analytics and trying to use those analytics to figure out does my thumbnail need to improve? Does my watch time need to? Do I need to basically change up how I do my videos? So in your experience, do you have any tips which are specifically for YouTube? Do you feel like there are some things which uh, work more on YouTube that can help us grow our channels even better? Yes, I know, like small things. Um, Time. Length of videos is very, very, very important. Um, I always recommend for guys who are approaching the YouTube scene space to keep their videos max 15 minutes when they are starting the longer you stay and the more established your platform grows you can maintain um you can maintain viewers for longer periods but it's important to be short and sweet when you're beginning with your videos um the less is more even that 15 minutes is a lot like if you can keep it down to 10 12 7 minutes you're you're on the money the other thing that i know works for YouTube, that is a big problem in Kenya. And for me, it's, it's more like an OCD or a nerve thing. It's a lot of people do not save their videos in the right ways. Um, YouTube is like, is a Google-owned platform. So a lot plays, how you save your videos plays in part to how, how, how they'll rank higher. It's almost like SEO. Um, so you have to optimize your video. And one of the ways you can optimize your video is simply aside from even having attractive thumbnails and attractive titles is that description space there. A lot of people, they even musicians, they, they, it's just annoying. Like somebody will just write like the most basic description. They won't put any links. They won't put any key words to make sure that their videos are ranking. You and video and YouTube doesn't limit how much you can write. When you're posting your videos, make sure you have links to all your other social medias there. Make if you have a website, put your links for your website there. Make sure that you've given a proper description for that person who doesn't have time to watch the whole thing. Understand what this video is about very easily. Like you're not giving away the entire plot, but at least they know what to expect. Um, the tags. People often don't use tags in their videos. Very important. It can, uh, you have up to, I think it's three um, tags that you can put to help um, YouTube easily classify or rank your videos better. So if you're talking about technology, if you're talking about relationships, etc., you, you have to make things easier for the algorithm to, to rank your videos higher. Um, a lot of people don't see it necessary to put location tags, but I see it makes a small difference. Even YouTube might will tell you it might not make a difference, but it does because um, the algorithm works on data and it's able to determine like, 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 let's say if you're putting your video from Kenya, it knows this is your audience, etc. Small, small things like that. When it comes to titles, I personally work with a six uh, word character limit. If it goes beyond six words in the title, I personally feel like it's too long. So I try to make everything as short, 
sweet and easily communication communicative as possible i don't believe in clickbait i feel it's not ethically sound but i feel like as creatives there are better ways we can use to attract attract people to our our channels especially if the quality of the content is there then the, the um there's not much else you need to be doing um things like having the the link for your subscribe page also in the description of your video also help like with a simple CTA, CTA like if you want to subscribe click here being very mindful about how you allow the number of ads you allow in your channel or being very mindful about how or where you place your subscribe buttons is also very important because if you overdo or you don't do it in a tasteful way or at specific points of your video one it becomes a turn off if your if your ad settings are wrong and there's ads every two minutes of your video or every other minute of as your video is running it's a turn off people do not like ads especially on youtube the more ads they see the more agitated they become um, of which monetization is important, but there's ways to limit it and manage it. You don't have to like overly monetize your videos because if you do that, it that means like it's like um, people will not be motivated to come and watch your videos again because they know it's just money or after, and that's not the perception you want your audience to have. The other thing to remember is all digital platforms operate in an ecosystem. After you publish your video, you have to promote it. You have to post the link on Twitter. You have to post a link on your IG stories. You have to post it on Facebook. You have to, don't leave anything to chance. A lot of people feel like it's tooting their own horn too much, but no, 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 it's just being smart and it's going to work uh, better to your benefit. Well, the things I want to bring up are not really content in the line of content creation. They also they also aren't about news because watching news became like it's inducing trauma or something. I kind of stopped watching news somewhere after the pandemic because it was just too much. Anyway, but I have been watching documentaries. Like, I will sit and I'll be like, I'm going to pick a random documentary and watch. I sit and watch it and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I, will, I even take notes and all. I go and watch another and another and another. So I have been down this rabbit hole of watching documentaries. And like two weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I need to stop because I'm getting knowledge overload. I don't just take what I'll hear in the documentary and be like, okay, that's the truth. So I watch, I learn something, I go and Google it because, you know, people can just say anything in documentaries because if it's a documentary or if somebody says, psychology says or science says, or there's a quote, then at the end it's written Albert Einstein. People are going to believe whatever information is there. And things are really messed up and I think people should actually watch documentaries. For instance, today I was watching one. It's a series. I'm just on episode one, and there are two seasons. Each season is six episodes, and it's called Rotten. So it was talking about avocados, and I was like, okay, how are avocados bad or anything like that? And it's talking about how the avocado industry is actually killing people. 
and uh, it reminded me of a movie I watched on Netflix. I'm not sure if it was Space Sweepers. Maybe it was it was actually a series, not a movie. Maybe it was Space Sweepers or not. I really can't remember. But it was talking about water and how people have to apply for water. And the higher ranking you are, the higher the rights you have to water and the better quality of water you have. So there was literally no water on earth. Do you know that there are areas in this world where people actually have to apply for water? There is no water anywhere. You have to apply for water. And that's because of avocado farming. Turns out ever since, and this is that issues from like as... 1994 is it 1987 that people realized that avocados are really good and it can bring you millions so i started planting avocados and to just produce one avocado fruit you need 18 gallons of water one moja tuivo 18 gallons of water so in chile chile and california chile is where chile california mexico chile is where the big issues are when it comes to water people have to apply for water the people who get priority for water are the avocado farmers the avocado trees have taken away all the water all the rivers are dry there is drought no crops can grow anything and it's just avocado farmers especially the large-scale ones who can actually get access to water the chileans you find them digging wells but they're like i know this well is not going to it's not going to last more than two weeks because one guy was saying this is my well and in the next 14 days this well is going to be dry so the small farmers for avocado what happens is they just end up selling their land selling their land to the big corporations so that they can do so that they can access water and have money to survive and there's a part where they show you where all the water is and that water only belongs to avocado farmers it's terrible the things that happen out here in mexico the issue was cartels began gangs began where people would be killed and kidnapped to give out the proceeds of their avocado farming the cartels began they said they want to control the avocado trade and everything then the cartels began splitting into each splitting the first one is formed, the government decides we're going to work with them. But then they decide, no, we'll take things into our own hands. They split, they're terrorizing citizens, they're terrorizing everyone. That gang splits again. The one that split has been split and split. And then finally, the residents decide they're all going to form a gang to protect the avocado farming. But then it ends up becoming something worse. Like people are being killed. They're killing each other because avocado is literally the new goal. And these are not things you see in the news. You'll just see about, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's very good to know about the awareness happening around africa like the way there is war in ethiopia right now there is political unrest all that you'll find in the news they'll focus on maybe say ethiopia or congo or this muslim state that still practices slavery in africa it begins with m i've forgot i've, for, I've forgotten is it m or somewhere around guinea guinea bissau are forgotten those are things you will see on the news and you'll be like oh let's do justice for this country or those people or these killings of black people but the real problems are not being shown imagine living somewhere where you don't have access to water you have to 
you have to talk to the government, apply for water, and it's even expensive. You can't afford it. So these farmers were really, really heartbroken. Like they're speaking in the documentary and you can hear their voice crack. This one even goes to wipe his eyes because he's crying because he's like 60, 70 and this is what he's been doing all his life. It's been a family business. But now because of greed, there's no water. Their land is useless. They just have to sell it. So yeah, that's it. I've just been watching documentaries and learning a lot from documentaries.